Well, good morning, Beach Point Church. My name is Ken, and I'm the pastor of Local and Global Outreach. And I got to say, I love Christmas. Okay, I love this season. I love, uh, this is my favorite time of the year, hands down. Um, I love almost everything about it. Um, Unlike Pastor Mitch, I love the Christmas music and always have. Um, I love that the weather is cooling off and we can wear sweaters and jackets uh, this time of year. I love that the stores are decorated uh, everywhere you go. I love the Christmas lights. Um, I love the Christmas music, as I said. Um, I um, I, I love everything about Christmas. I love this season. Um, I love lamp. Okay, I love, for the five of you that got that, um, I just love everything about Christmas. Um, I love celebrating Jesus' birth. But there's one aspect of this season, one thing about Christmas that I struggle with. And it's the annual Christmas family photo. Um, So uh, we send out Christmas cards uh, to family and friends. Raise your hand if your family has, has done this in the past or this year. You've done this. Okay, so many of you are familiar with this process. So uh, we love sending out the, the Christmas uh, photo. And by we, I mean my wife, okay? <laughs> you, you guys know what I'm talking about. You can just nod your head. Um, and so I, 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 I help out with it and whatnot and tolerate it every year. And 12 years into marriage, I just know it's, it's part of the season. We're going to do it, but, um, but I tolerate it. And so that's the one thing that I struggle with because there's so much that goes into making this happen. Let me walk you through for, you know, maybe half of you have not done this before. Um, let me walk you through what has to happen. You've got to pick out a template online, and there's like a million different templates. And so you've got to uh, spend some time figuring that out. And then you, you uh, upload your photos, and you order it, and then you've got to wait a few days. And you've got to go uh, to like, we did Costco or, or uh, Sam's Club, and they're like crazy this time of year. You can't find a parking spot. You finally find a parking spot. You go in. The lines are long. You pick them up, then you take them home, and uh, we write a letter as well. Um, how many of you write a letter as well? Just a few brave souls. Okay, so we do that. So you've got to stuff all these things inside all of these envelopes. You've got to address to uh, people, and like every year it's like people moved, uh, we don't have this person's address, so you're texting, you're Facebooking, you're emailing people, trying to get all the addresses, and then you got to label them all, put, your, put stamps on all of them, stuff them all, and try to send them out before December 25th, which is often a challenge because, like, this is a busy time of year. And so some years, ours is more of a New Year's uh, letter, like a New Year's card that, that, that uh, we send out. And so it's a struggle. You know, the struggle's real. But before we can do all of that, before we can do all of those steps in the process, there's one thing that has to happen. What is it? The photo, picture. you got to take the family photo. And so we've got to get matchy-matchy clothes and all the colors coordinated and then we, we schedule with the photographer, and then you got to get everyone's hair all done, and, and the, the ladies want to get their nails done, and like everything's got to be all coordinated and perfect, and then, then you get together with the photographer, and, uh, and you take like a billion photos, right? Like you take like 653 photos, and then, and then you search through all of those photos to find the one perfect image, and then you ask the photographer, after you found that image, to, to Photoshop it, correct it, crop it, make it look perfect. And at the end of all of that, you've got this like hallmark perfect photo that you can put on the card and run through the whole process and send out to your friends and family for Christmas. And so here's the, the image that we got this year. I'll share it with you guys. This is a picture of my family uh, that we're going to put on our uh, 
card. And so you can see my wife is pregnant with our fourth child. And then we've got all three kids looking at the camera, all of them smiling, our, our precious one-year-old daughter um, holding onto my wife's leg. And, 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 and uh, it looks nice. Everyone's like, oh, that's great. That family, oh, that's cute. Um, but that's not reality. Okay, like how many photos did it take for us to find that one? 653, right? 653 photos that we had to go through and get photoshopped and the whole deal in order to send out this picture-perfect card uh, to family and friends. But the reality is behind the scenes, like life is a mess. Like our, our family gets messy and it's a mess and it looks more like this, this second photo. This is uh, more the behind the scenes <laughs> of the chaos and my one-year-old daughter showing off her diaper to the world. But don't we all do this? It's like, we do this with our Christmas cards. Those of you that send out these cards, like, you go and find and, and Photoshop and, and send out the perfect image, the picture-perfect card to everyone. But we don't just do this with photos. I'm going to use some photos as an analogy today, but this is beyond just photos. This is life, isn't it? We do this with our lives. We, we, we crop out the ugly parts and show to the world the, the things that look uh, amazing and perfect. And so some, here's some other examples I found online. This couple, they got engaged, and they're showing off the beautiful ring. And so uh, this dude proposed to her, and beautiful rock. Um, but the reality is that, this, that uh, she had not gotten her nails done because... She didn't know she was getting proposed to. And so she was embarrassed about her fingernails. And so she asked for a little help from a friend, as seen in this next photo. (laughs) You see, they they cropped out what was really going on here behind the scenes. Or let's look at this next photo, this beautiful couple on their wedding day. Uh, there was kind of the, you know, the cloudy sky in the background, and they captured the perfect image on the edge of a lake. You can see the reflection. You see the reflection of them off this beautiful lake. But behind the scenes, the reality of this is that the photographer needs a Christmas bonus <laughs> because he made that situation look way better than the reality of what was going on in that scene. And we all do this, don't we? We all do this, not just with our social media online, which many of us do that in our social media, but we all do this with our life messes as well. We want to present to other people a picture-perfect family, a picture-perfect marriage, a picture-perfect life. And so we try to crop out all the messes, and we show to the world how great we are, how we've got it all together, how we've got it all figured out. And, and in Southern California, we, we, we do this pretty well, don't we? we? And even at church, we do this. You show up at church, hey, how you doing? And, and your life is a mess, but you're like, oh, things are great. How are you? And we kind of just live on the surface level, this, this Photoshopped type of life. But the holidays, I believe, kind of raises the bar on that even. The holidays, the, the Christmas season kind of highlights this for us. But maybe behind the scenes, your life is pretty messy right now. Maybe during the holiday season for you, um, the grief is coming to the surface again. That through the holiday season, you're reminded by the empty chair at the table of your loss and your grief and your pain. And you might smile uh, with everyone and, and, and say, hey, things are great. But behind the scenes, things are a mess and you're dealing with your grief. Others, maybe for the holiday season, it raises the, the, the awareness of the family tension that you have. 
of the broken relationships, the broken family, the, the, the things that have not been resolved in some relationships. And, and so you go about the holiday season with the family get-togethers and you're all smiling and pretending like everything's fine, but behind the scenes you know that you're just smiling just to get through the holidays together, to get through the party, to not ruffle any feathers. But things are a mess behind the scenes. Maybe for you, the holidays uh, bring up the, the financial stress level for you. And with every gift that you're purchasing, your, your financial stress level is raising up because you know that the credit card bill is going to come next month and reality is going to hit and things behind the scene are financially a mess. Maybe for you, um, you have an area of struggle in your life, a sin, something you've, you haven't shared with other people. And although you are going to holiday parties, Christmas parties, gatherings with friends and family, you're surrounded by people, but in the midst of it all, you feel so alone in your struggle. You feel so alone in your sin. You feel so alone in your weakness and your frailty that no one's with you in it. And we all get really good at hiding our messes and presenting a picture-perfect Christmas card, a picture-perfect life to the world around us, when in reality, behind the scenes, things are often a mess. And so in this series, over these next three weeks, our Christmas series here at Beach Point Church, it's called Best Christmas Ever. And what we're wanting to explore is the fact that this time of year, we're trying to present that, hey, my life is perfect. Hey, let's create the perfect Christmas experiences for our family, for our friends. Let's create um, these perfect images of our lives, when in reality things are a mess behind the scenes. And so you've probably seen, and we'll put the graphic on here, um, it's a picture of the Halls family. There are our family ministries pastor and our children's pastor, um, and they're four adorable kids. Now you might be looking at it and you see three of them, but if you look at the bottom of the screen, you'll notice Sadie throwing a temper tantrum, okay? This was not staged. This is not planned. This is just real life. And so Sadie's throwing a temper tantrum there. And what we present to the world is that Christmas card. This picture perfect, wow, everything looks awesome. But behind the scenes, as you look around, you see that the, the, the kids are, you know, misbehaving or laundry's undone or gifts have not been wrapped and there's empty boxes all over the house. And it's chaos. It's chaos, and so we have these perceptions of, of, of what we think Christmas should look like and how we need to present ourselves to our friends and family and the world around us. But behind the scenes, there's a mess. There's chaos. And God wants to free us from that false perception of what makes the best Christmas ever. And so we want to be able to move beyond your perfect Christmas card. To move beyond your perfect looking life. To move beyond the false response when someone asks you, how are you doing? And you go, oh, great. When the reality is, your life might be a mess right now. And so we want to be a church where it's perfectly okay to not be perfect and not be okay. We want to be a church where you and I, together, we don't have to pretend that we've got it all together. See, we want to encourage you during this series and beginning today to move beyond this perfect Christmas card image, to be real. And like Pastor Mitch was saying, to, to not be ruled by this fear. And particularly today, what I want us to walk into, and I just sense that God, as we were worshiping, that God is wanting to deal with this fear 
of disgrace, this fear of public shame, this fear of what other people might think of us if they saw our mess, if they saw behind the scenes, if they could look past the picture-perfect Christmas card. And so what we want to do as a church, is just a part of this series, is uh, to encourage you to post online using a hashtag. We'll put it on the screen here. Hashtag Best Christmas Ever BPC, which is Beach Point Church. Hashtag Best Christmas Ever BPC. And to share some images of the reality of life in this season. Okay, so can we have some fun with this over the next month? And, and to post... You can post on your Instagram, on your Facebook, but just the messiness of life, just the, the, the reality of this season, of some of the parts that we normally wouldn't want to post. And so I'll just give you a few examples. Uh, this one's a dog. I found this one online. Dog's like, dude, it wasn't me. Like, I, I had nothing to do with knocking that tree over. Um, or uh, the French family, uh, our, our children's or our family ministry admin. This is their kids' uh, Christmas picture, just perfect. Um, or Jackie and Alex Minostra, also on our staff, uh, they're going to post this picture of their dogs and, uh, and, their, and their son Ben. So you just see these perfect images of the reality of life that is imperfect. And so we want to experience the best Christmas ever. And what ha- where it comes from, it's not from photoshopping and cropping um, the perfect Christmas image. But this morning, what I don't want us to see is that within the story of Christmas, within the story of the, the, the scriptures telling us the Christmas story of what truly makes the best Christmas ever involves embracing the messiness, embracing the messiness of our lives. And what we're going to see this very first Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is that it wasn't a picture-perfect Christmas card. The scenario, in fact, of Mary's pregnancy was scandalous, it was embarrassing for them. It was culturally very messy. It was not something that they would have wanted to put on their Christmas card. And in fact, if Mary and Joseph would have had a Christmas card, they would have had a picture of Joseph and Mary and cropped it from the tummy up. And just had, you know, here's an engaged couple, no baby here, nothing to see, everyone, everything is perfect. But the reality of the situation was that they were in a situation that was potentially shameful, disgraceful, embarrassing. And so to see this, I want to invite you to grab a Bible and to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to dive in at verse 18. So you can turn there. If you've got a Bible app, you can turn to the Bible app. There's Bibles in the pew in front of you. It'll be on page 966 in those Bibles. And I'd love for you to, to open up God's Word with me as we look at the very first Christmas and the messiness, the messiness of what was going on behind the scenes. It says this, verse 18, Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together in marriage, she was found, she was discovered to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace or public shame, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Let's pause right there. What we see here is the mess that they are in. You see, marriage 
for them was a little different than it is for us. They didn't go about the same process uh, as we do today. So two people didn't meet on eHarmony. They didn't go on some uh, first awkward dates and then move into like an exclusive dating relationship, uh, date for three years, uh, pop the ring, uh, put some images on Instagram of the ring, and then, uh, you know, plan a nine-month engagement, get the wedding, that whole deal. That's not how things worked back then. In fact, uh, most likely their marriage was arranged by their parents. Oftentimes the parents would arrange, uh, the two families would arrange a marriage for their kids. And Mary would have been about 13 years old. And, uh, and so the, the parents would exchange gifts. It was called a dowry. And so they would have exchanged gifts uh, to one another. And the, the kids entered into this agreement, a legal agreement. Not like our engagements, but their engagements, uh, it was it was called betrothal. They were betrothed to one another, which was a technical term for, uh, it was a contract that they entered in. And for this legal contract, it, it, they, did, they did it in front of witnesses. In order for that to be broken, it was only two ways, death or divorce. That was the only way to call off the wedding, death or divorce. And so put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment. Joseph is engaged to this woman that he doesn't probably know very well. They haven't gone on these dates. They, you know, they, they, they don't know each other super well. He is engaged to this girl. And they discover that she is pregnant. And put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Joseph is 100% confident he's not the father. But she's claiming she's innocent. Okay, so now it's like a Maury Povich show. You guys remember that show? Or like Jerry Springer. It's like, like get out the paternity test. Like, we're going to figure out who the father is. And I guess in this case, it's a divinity test. Like, yeah, sure, Mary. Um, and so as a, a Torah abiding, a law abiding, an Old Testament following Jew, Joseph was obligated to divorce her, to call off the wedding, and, and the way he would go about it doing it is to have a public hearing, to publicly shame her, to bring disgrace on her by bringing her up in front of everyone, having a trial, and condemning her to adultery. But Joseph is such a good guy. He plans on doing a, a private annulment. To, as discreetly and quietly as possible, which would have required uh, two witnesses to him and her go before two witnesses and to get the wedding called off, to break the contract. As privately and as quietly as possible, uh, he doesn't want to publicly shame her for committing adultery, what he believes is committing adultery. He doesn't want to disgrace her. He doesn't want to shame her. And so instead, he just wants to go before two witnesses. So from Joseph's perspective, moving forward with this wedding... Is not going to happen. Like as he does the math, as he as he like like processes through what's going on, he's like, yeah, right. Like there's no way that this woman didn't commit adultery. So he's calling off the wedding. He's going to get things annulled. He sees that there's no way to move forward with this. There's no way to continue on with this. This marriage is a dead end. And so he makes plans to crop Mary out of his life story, to Photoshop her out of his story as quietly as peacefully as possible, and to move on with his life. Let me ask you, have you ever felt this way with your mess? Have you ever felt this way with the messes in your life? 
embarrassed by them, just hoping to crop them out and move on. But the Christmas story is a story of new beginnings. The Christmas story is a story where things that look like a dead end end up becoming the beginning of the story of grace beginning in our lives, grace coming into our lives. And so Joseph thought that there was no way forward, but then God spoke. God gave a word. God gave a message through an angel. And here's what the angel said in verse 20. But after Joseph had considered this, after Joseph had thought through and decided, I need to divorce her, I need to call off this wedding, verse 20 says this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The angel says to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Now, for Joseph to say yes to God on this, Joseph was saying yes to public shame. Joseph was saying yes to disgrace. Joseph was saying yes to people whispering behind his back. That's the couple. They're the ones that got pregnant before they got married. You see, Joseph walking in obedience and saying yes to God was going to bring on him and Mary public shame and disgrace from their community because people were going to assume Joseph's the father. So what does he do? What do you do when you're in Joseph's situation? We read, continue on what Joseph did. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up from this dream, from this message that God had given him, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. What we see here is that Joseph gave God the benefit of the doubt. Joseph gave God the benefit of the doubt. I don't know about in your Bible, but when, when I'm reading through my Bible, God doesn't give him any evidence. God doesn't give him any proof. Like, he doesn't get a divinity test, like paternity test going on here. Like, he has no evidence. All he has is this word from God, this message from God. And what does he do? He acts on it. He obeys it. He walks in it without proof. Now, let's not just move past that really quickly. You know, we kind of read it in our Bible, and, 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 he, and we've heard the Christmas story many times, and so we kind of just move on. But this is crazy, okay? This is insane. If you are in Joseph's shoes, all he has is a dream where God spoke to him. And if you're anything like me, like, I have all kinds of dreams while I'm sleeping, right? Like, like but he trusts God in this. And what we see here is he doesn't put his faith in Mary, I mean, he barely knows her. But Joseph puts his faith and trust in God's word to him. And he takes Mary home as his wife. In the midst of a messy situation, in the midst of, of a, a culture that highly valued honor, Joseph was willing to say yes to God, trust God's word to him, walk in obedience, regardless of the, the cost it was going to cost him, socially, 
with his friends, the cost it was going to be for his family and their honor, Joseph said yes to God. And Joseph was able to move forward with his marriage through the messiness of the situation because he trusts God's message to him. And let me say this, you and I can do the same in our lives. This is our big idea this morning, is that you can move forward through your mess by trusting God's message. You and I, we can move forward through whatever messiness uh, you're experiencing in your situation and in your life. You can move forward through it. Not around it, not by ignoring it, not sidestepping it, but move through your mess by trusting God's message. And the message of Christmas is a message of God's grace. You see, God's opinion is the only one that matters here. That's what mattered to Joseph. God's opinion, God's word, what God was speaking, what God thought about him, what God wanted in and through Joseph's life, that's all he cared about. He didn't care about, he, didn't, he wasn't afraid of what other people thought. He was concerned with what God thought of him, regardless of the criticism. You know, one time I was uh, sitting in a coffee shop. I had my headphones on, listening to worship music, and I was sitting down on my computer writing a sermon. And so as I'm writing my message, uh, the door opened into the coffee shop, and two ladies walked in, and I felt like God was um, prompting on my heart, hey, I have something I want you to share with one of those ladies. And like, just so you know, this is like not normal behavior for me, okay? I'm sitting there, this is like not an everyday thing. And so I'm sitting typing, and I start debating with God. And, and I'm like trying to make a deal with God, because I'm like, oh, no, this is awkward. Like, I don't, she's a stranger. I've never seen this person before. Like, how do I even engage in the conversation? So I make a deal with God. I say, God, uh, if you want me to share a word with her, if you want me to share this message that you're putting on my heart to share with her, then uh, she needs to sit down next to me. Okay, so at this point, I think I'm off the hook. And I start typing and kind of forget about it until someone comes and sits next to me and I turn and it's this lady. It's this lady and then her friend sits across the table. And so I'm like, oh man, God, okay, you got me. You got me this time. And so I go, okay, well, what do you want me to share with her? And so God put some things on my heart. I'm like, how do you even go about this? Like, they don't train you for this in seminary. We don't get trained for this in church. Like, what do we do? How do I go about this? So I just take my headphones off and I interrupt their conversation and, and say, hey, I'm sorry to bother you, but I feel like God put something on my heart um, that he wants to share with you. Um, and uh, so do you guys mind if I take a moment? And they're kind of just like, what? Like, okay. And I go, okay. So I, I start sharing what I felt like God had put in my heart, and, and I shared a, a verse that, that God had put in my heart. And then I wait for the response. And I'm expecting, like, tears to start flowing, like... Like, I'm waiting for this lady to be like, how did you know that that is exactly what I needed to hear? But instead, she looks at me like, are you done yet? Like, can we go back to our conversation? And I'm like, okay, awkward, uh, nice talking with you. And I put my headphones back on. And I open my computer, and I start pretending to type. <laughs> you know? Because now it's just awkward. She's like sitting a few inches away from me, and it's just awkward. And now I start talking to God while I'm pretending to type. I'm like, God, what was that? <laughs> like, that was embarrassing. Like, I thought, like, you had this great message for her, and her life was going to be changed, and like, you know, we're becoming friends on Facebook, and the whole thing, you know, like... But like, what was that? That was embarrassing. And now I, here I am, I'm pretending to type and I feel awkward and like, I don't know what to do. Like, what was that, God? 
In the midst of that, I felt like God spoke to me. And I wrote it down so I wouldn't mess it up, but here's what God said. Ken, are you more concerned with what other people think of you or with what I think of you? Ken, are you more concerned with pleasing random strangers or are you more concerned with pleasing your Heavenly Father? Like whose opinion counts more in your life? And I want to ask that of you. Because if you're anything like me, you, you have a fear of public shame, a fear of, of pleasing people rather than God. And I struggle with that. I struggle with people seeing the messiness of my life. I want to present a picture-perfect family, a picture-perfect life, when the reality is it's messy behind the scenes. And you see, you don't need to live to try to impress everybody else. You don't need to live cropping your life, cropping uh, the, the aspects of your life to present to the world a perfect image of you, your family, your situation. You see, Joseph had to weigh his options. Am I going to be more concerned with what the religious people, my social peers think of me? Am I more concerned with obeying my heavenly father and what God has for my life, what God wants to do in and through my life? And Joseph chose to obey God, to obey God's word to him, to obey God's message to him. And as a result of that, as a result of his obedience, Joseph got to father Jesus. Think about that. Joseph was going to crop Mary out of his life, out of his story. But if he had done that, he wouldn't have had the opportunity to be at what was actually the best Christmas ever, the very first Christmas, the birth of Jesus, the Son of God. Joseph wouldn't have had the opportunity to raise a perfect son, the Son of God in his household, and be the adoptive father to him. But Joseph said yes to God's plans for him. And he got to experience the joy of playing a part. Playing a part in God's plan for all of humanity through his son, Jesus. You see, Christmas is the story. The true Christmas, the first Christmas, is the best Christmas ever. It's the story of God coming down to humanity. Entering into the messiness of our lives. Becoming one of us. Taking on human flesh. And living the perfect life that you and I could not live. And dying a death in our place for us to extend his grace into our lives. You see, the message of Christmas is the message of God's grace coming down to us. Entering into the messiness of our world, the messiness of our lives. To walk with us, to save us from our mess. To walk with us and journey with us in our mess. You see, the message of Christmas is the message of God's grace coming down to us. What I want to ask as we get the band in in place and as we respond together in worship, I want to ask you this question. What mess are you trying to hide? What mess in your life, what mess in your story, what mess in your family, what mess in your past, your, your failure, your finances, a relationship, what is it, what mess are you trying to hide? Out of fear of what other people might think, What are you trying to crop out of your story, out of your life, out of the picture that people see quietly and discreetly? And would you, like Joseph, hear from God this morning? Don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid to embrace the mess. Quit trying to protect your image. Quit trying to present the perfect Christmas card life. And would you get honest with your mess this morning? Now, as we walk in this, I want to encourage you, for some of you, God's going to put on your heart the fact that you haven't opened up. You might not have even been honest yet with your spouse, with a friend, with your family, with your life group. And maybe that's a step this week, is being honest about the messiness of your life with other people around you. But in this moment, I want us to be honest with God. I want us to get real with God, with the messiness of our situation, with the messiness of our life, and bring it before God and say, I know I have my imperfections. But you and I, we can move forward through our mess, not by sidestepping it, not by ignoring it, but by inviting God into it and by trusting God's message, a message of grace, a message of hope, a message of a future, a message of healing and restoration. If we would trust God, if we would trust God. You see, Christmas is the story of new beginnings. And maybe this morning is a new beginning for you. The moment where you begin to trust God's message of grace, his invitation of grace. You know what grace is? It's unearned. It's undeserved. It's unmerited favor from God. It's a gift. In the first Christmas, there's a story of God's grace coming for all humanity through Jesus. Offering you the love of God that grace is the message of a God who knows you, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything about you. He sees your mess behind the scenes. He knows every aspect of your life. And yet he chooses to love you and accept you through Jesus Christ. And so this morning, would we bring our honest mess before God? Not living in fear of of shame and disgrace. Not living in fear of what other people might think if they could see behind the curtain. But would we be people who would trust God, that God can move you forward through your mess if you would trust God's message of grace this Christmas. Let's pray together for that. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to invite us to, to dim the lights in the room. And for you to honestly before God, just lay out your mess to him. Say, God, I don't want to hide this from you. I don't want to hide this from people close to me who love me. But God, I thank you for your grace in my life. Like, I don't have to live a perfect life because you lived it for me. And maybe you're here this morning and you need that new beginning. And today's the day that you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. Not trying to live a perfect life on your own, but inviting the one who lived a perfect life for you and died a death in, in place of your imperfections. He wants to tell you that he loves you, he accepts you, he forgives you. Would you invite him into the messiness of your life? In this moment, say, Jesus, I invite you this Christmas, this season, God, into my mess, into my life, God. And would you walk with me? Would you lead me? God, I thank you for your grace, your forgiveness, the offer of new life and new hope found in you. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for coming, for being Emmanuel, a God who is with us. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.